So we're moving on to our second question in our Q&A series on the Bensilite trials with the PI investigators of the trial, Drs. Alec Faber and Matt Menard. So there has been debate over the rates of technical success in the endovascular arms of the Bessie-Lite trial. The technical success of the index procedure was 96% for surgical techniques and 85% for endovascular procedures in cohort 1 and 100% and 80.6% for open and endovascular techniques respectively in cohort 2. Technical success for endovascular interventions was about 87% in the Basel 2 trial. Are these rates applicable to current practice? Well, I think they are. You know, when, when the best uh, trial broke, we were heavily criticized for having outlandishly high technical failure rates. And then we looked around at the literature, and actually there's a fair number of literature out there to support that for patients who have severe arteriocclusive disease, GLAS-3, for instance, that the technical failures are actually, in some cases, higher than what we reported. Then, of course, Basil II broke, and, and they have similar technical failure rates to us. And the majority of the procedures done in Basel II were done by interventional radiologists. So I think we're right there where we are. I think the people who think that their technical success is extraordinarily low, they're either not treating GLAS-3 patients or not, they're not being honest with themselves and others. And do these rates affect the generalizability and applicability of the trial results in a positive way? I would say that they do, and you know, the reason is we were very intentional in terms of how we selected investigators and, and who we invited to participate and who we didn't. We very much wanted this to be a kind of, quote, real-world trial. And so there was a bar that you had to meet in terms of the number of interventions you did and the number of surgeries you did per year. But the intention was to basically have everyone that treated CLI on a routine basis, on a regular basis within an institution, be part of the trial. But what we didn't want was, in my view, what was done in CREST-2, which is a very, very high bar. So we have to do 50 carotid stents to be part of CREST-2. And I would say that you know what that does is create kind of a, a group of super users that does not necessarily reflect what people are doing every day out in the community. You know, Alec highlighted what's in the literature most striking is a number of reports from Japan, very, very talented interventional cardiologists that are doing very high-end extreme patients, and their technical success rate dropped precipitously with increasing complexity of the patient they were treating. So class three is up in the high 20s, almost approaching 30%, you know, in folks that have a very high level of technical skill. So I just think we have to keep all of that in mind as we think about those numbers. So we link this with the anatomy. The best CLI trial enrolled CLTI patients with infraingenal disease. Two-thirds of the patients had infrapopliteal disease at enrollment, and an infrapopliteal procedure was performed in about half of the patients. However, the Basel II trial focused on infrapopliteal disease, although some cases also included femoropopliteal disease. Is the difference in disease pattern, femoropopliteal revascularization only, infrapopliteal only, or both combined, key in the interpretation of the findings of BESCLI and in the difference in the results of both trials? I think it will be key. We don't know yet some of the information that we need to know. For instance, uh, the Basel II investigators have not disclosed yet what percentage of their patients also have concomitant femoropopliteal disease. We don't know that yet. It's not in the Lancet article. I think that we do know that 
a multi-level disease is predictive of new interventions and is predictive of both hemodynamic and clinical failure. So I think anatomy is going to be key here. There's no question in my mind that there are major differences in anatomy between the two trials that we can't really clearly describe them now, but we will at some point. And I think that that difference is probably one of the factors that's driving the difference in outcomes. How do we apply in our clinical practice the results of BESILI trial depending on the disease pattern? Femoropopliteal, infrapopliteal, or both combined? Can you say this already, or do we have to await another subgroup analysis to be able to answer this question? You know, what we can say is what Alec alluded to. We do know the multi-level disease definitely confers higher risk, and the outcomes aren't as good. But in terms of specific anatomic segments, that's going to have to wait. I do want to add that we actually did an analysis where we looked at patients in best CLI who only had infrapopliteal disease and then looked at those patients with infrapopliteal disease who had an infrapopliteal intervention. This was just a way to sort of make more of a comparable cohort in the comparison with basal 2. Obviously, we did not control for patient differences. And when we did that, and this is something that was submitted as an abstract and will be coming out as a manuscript soon, but uh, we found that there were no difference. The results of best CLI still stand in this particular cohort. Okay, so this wraps our second podcast on Q&A series on the best CLI results. 